I want you to look, if you would, two places, Proverbs chapter 7 and Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 7 and Proverbs chapter 9. I read the Proverbs every day, so you get to read it every month. And I've come across these verses month after month after month after month. And uh, this message is born out of these two verses, but I want to read three or four. Let's begin reading in Proverbs 7 and verse number 24. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways, go not astray in her paths. For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. Then I want you to look at chapter 9 and verse 13. Chapter 9 and verse 13. A foolish woman is clamorous. Now a clamorous, that word, uh, the old 1828 dictionary says, a woman would be a woman that is noisily insistent. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call passengers who go, boy, go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. I take our thoughts this morning from the little phrase in verse number 27 of chapter 7. Her house is the way to hell. And from the last verse in chapter 9, the last little phrase, her guests are in the depths of hell. Of hell. Father, we are grateful to be here in this place this morning. There are people in far away lands, like the young man just testified a few moments ago, the grace to be born in this country. To be born, I think he said, even in this part of our country. To know a little bit and have a taste what old-time religion really is. I pray, God, that you'd help us to see this morning another glimpse. And perhaps it would be almost like a stop sign this morning. Like a red light to somebody on the way to hell. I pray there would be Holy Ghost conviction in this room. And I pray if there is a sinner or two or ten lost people in this building, they would not hesitate to find their way to an old-fashioned altar and a place to confess their need of Jesus Christ in their life and to be saved. 
And we ask it in Jesus' name. I want to talk to you this morning on this topic. Guess, guess in hell's hotel. Guess in hell's hotel. Now, I suppose most of us have spent time in hotels. I've checked into hundreds of them in my life. Uh, you know, you get a room key or you get a card nowadays. Sometimes, and it's been a long time, you know, but perhaps uh, somebody else has booked the room for me and they've checked it out and they put a fruit basket in there, some other amenities. But you know, you like to have a description. If you're going on a vacation, perhaps you would go online and book it and uh, maybe get a brochure. Or maybe a description for someone who became a guest in the hotel of hell. Deuteronomy 32 and 22 says that the fires burn to the lowest hell. Matthew 8 and 12 said it is a place of outer darkness. That's a double darkness. A darkness of sin and despair. No one, it was a hotel years ago, it was a very inexpensive hotel, and the advertisement always said, we'll leave the light on for you. There's no lights in hell. I read Stephen Hawking's book, A Brief History in Time, or of Time. And it was a, the thing I got about it, talking about the universe. and He talked about black holes. And how a black hole in the universe, in the cosmo, cosmos above, it's a complete absence of light. Yeah. He thought it was either burnout stars or even burnout galaxies, but a darkness. Some hotels would say the activities that they would have there. I would say the main activity that all in hell's hotel would be performing today would be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's a place of continual torments, according to Luke 16 and 23. Psalms 139, 8, you talk about a hotel. He said, make my bed in hell. It's a place, if you go to hell, it's a place of no rest and no relaxation and no sleep. I guess if one were to go to hell, you would need some direction how to get there. Psalm 9 and 17 says, the wicked are turned into hell. In Psalms 55 and 15, it says the hypocrites go down quick into hell. You say, well, I, you know, they have uh, no vacancy signs in hotels sometimes. And uh, there's room or sometimes they'll say there is vacancy. 
I say to you this morning, there's always a vacancy sign on hell. It's flashing at the gates of hell. Proverbs 27 and 20 says that hell and destruction are never full. You know, sometimes when you go into a hotel, there's someone that greets you. They welcome you. Isaiah 14, 9 and 10 says, Hell is moved to meet thee. The dead are stirred up and the chief of the earth arise from their thrones. And they say, Are you as weak as we? Art thou become as us? Could you imagine being in hell before nightfall today? And those that have been there for decades, yay, centuries, oh, yes, eons of time, you mean to tell me you are as dumb as I am? To come to hell? Were you as careless about your soul's eternal destiny as I was? To come to hell? Hell's ever expanding. The Bible says in Isaiah 5 and 14, hell hath enlarged itself. Oh, you say, well, there are any amenities there, any extras. Is there an exercise room? Is there there a pool? A pool? Are you a fool? There's not a drop. The only eyewitness account we have of anyone going to hell is in the 16th chapter of the book of Luke. And the thing that he desired was just dip your finger in water and let one drop fall upon my tongue. Yes, sir. Yes. Is that what you want? Is that what you desire? Do the things of this world mean so much to you, sinner, that you would die and go to hell? The pains of hell, there's nothing in hell to soothe or satisfy. Luke 16, he lifted up his eyes, saw nothing but heartache. In Ezekiel chapter 32 and verse number 21, it talks about an individual he spoke out of the midst of hell, but no one heard or cared. You talk about a place of eternity. You say, preacher, I thought a lot of people are going to hell. You won't know about them. You talk about, you say, I don't like being alone in the dark. You'll be alone in the dark for all eternity. And suffer the pains of hell. The flames of hell. Job 22 and 6 says, Hell is naked before him. Your life will be laid bare before the holy glare of God Almighty. There'll be no screen, no protection, no door to hide behind. There'll be no religion, no church membership to hide behind. No good deeds or niceties or charity to hide behind. Like the young man just sang. They just sang. 
You have nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever been in a hotel. I was in a hotel last in Baton Rouge last week. And uh, last Sunday night, in the, I don't know who came in there. In the hotel above me, I was on the third floor. There was only fourth floors. I, I could hardly, why would they bring an elephant to the fourth floor? And right above me, he got there late at night and left early in the morning. Woke me up. Other guests. What complaints? Your complaints about your suffering will fall on deaf ears. You see, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But every wicked man, every vile sinner who has died without Jesus Christ, they are there right now. What a horrible neighborhood. The price. Everybody's interested in the price. The cost of hell's hotel. You must trample under your feet the blood of God's covenant. The pure, precious blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. And your rejection. Done despite to the spirit of grace. You think about it. You know, when you get a hotel, they ask how many people are going to be. Is it a single or a double or a family? They charge you different rates. What a terrible thing for a family to go to hell. What an awful thing for a dad to live his life after the flesh and cost the eternal lostness of his sons and daughters. I thought about it this week. I've never thought about it in my life. I don't know why it even popped into my mind. But I would dare say, and I don't know, but I would dare say that the majority of young men who become drunkards, the very first drop of liquor they ever took was given to them by their father. You're 16 now. You're a man. Have a beer. Or have a sip, son. Just a sip. And a sip becomes a gallon. And a sip becomes a case. And a sip becomes a, 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 a keg. And as you become, a sip becomes a sop. You say, hey, you mean if I drink, I'll go to hell? No. But if you don't get saved, you'll go to hell. But there's a lot of drunkards in hell today. Millions. Such as, it's such an important thing, Dad, for you to get saved. It's such an important thing, Mother, for you to be a Christian. You know, God's done a lot to save you. It's an interesting thing to me in the Old Testament. God wanted those people to be saved. They had to bring something as an offering. So in, Deut in Leviticus chapter 5, he said, you have to bring a sheep or a lamb or a goat from the flock. 
And there's a wonderful, there's a wonderful little phrase. He said, you've got to bring something from your flock. And then he says, if he be not able. The guy's too poor, he doesn't even have a flock. He has no lamb to bring. He said, if he be not able, <laughs> you can bring a fowl, a bird, a pigeon, a dove. And then he says, if he be not able, you can't even bring a fowl. He said, you can bring flour and offer that flour. I mean, to tell you, from a flock to a fowl to some flour, that's the Old Testament equivalent of whosoever will may come. He'll take you. You know, when you have a hotel, you have a checkout time. Sometimes if my have to leave on a plane later. Say, can I stay till 12? Can I stay till 1? Usually they'll let you. But there's no checkout time in hell. Dante's Inferno has this little line in it. Over the gates of hell was these words. All hope abandon ye who enter here. the end of the line. It's the beginning of eternity. We have no grasp. We have no grasp at the length of eternity. It's impossible for these finite minds of ours to imagine infinity, eternity in a devil's hell. In the book of the Revelation, in chapter 20, and our brother talked about Revelation 17 and 18 in Sunday school. But you get to 20. The devil and the beast and the false prophet are all chained there forever and forever and forever and are tormented there. Yes. There's a great white throne mentioned in that chapter. And all the dead, whether small or great, this is, a, this is an imposing, imposing thing to me. The Bible says that the books will be open. Yes. And will your name be there? Will your name be there? In the Lamb's book of life. They sang about that this morning too. About having our names written in glory. You know, while we're here, I think there's a verse over there in the Old Testament. Our names are engraved in his hand. They look like nail scars, don't they? Hallelujah. I never said that before, but I like it. My goodness. Verse 15 is so tragic in that chapter. For whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It's almost impossible.
impossible to imagine. Your mother, your son, your best friend, the neighbor you've never told about, Jesus, being cast into the lake of fire. That person sitting next to you right now the lake of fire. There's really no comparison to this. But I like the thought in my father's house are many mansions. I go, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. God has a prepared place for a prepared person. Someone who has put their faith and trust in Christ alone. Now I'm going to tell you something, friend. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be guests. We're going to be permanent residents. The Bible calls us heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. My claim for residency in heaven was purchased with Christ's own blood on Calvary's tree. He was humanity and deity all wrapped in one. And I like this. The fire of God's judgment burned away his humanity. And he died. And all that was left was his deity, his divinity. He was God divine when he rose from the grave. There's a sweet story. I don't know when and where I heard it. And I may not say it exactly the way I heard it, but this is the way my ancient memory recalled it yesterday. It's the story of a little boy. He uh, was an orphan. His parents were gone. He sold papers on the street back in the day for a nickel, maybe two cents, made just a pittance. He's homeless. It's the winter time. The policeman saw him on the corner with just a paper or two and a few pennies in his pocket. He said, son, where do you, where do you live? Sheepishly said, well, I, I, there's a wood box behind a business and there's the chimney. And I've got a little cardboard box right between there. And that's where I live. That's my home. So it gets pretty cold at night. Yes, sir, it does. He said, I've uh, give you a little advice, son. I want you to do this. I want you to go to 316 State Street, just a few blocks away. And I want you to knock on that door. And when the door is opened, either by the matron of the house or the man of the house, I want you to say this. John 3.16 sent me to this house. 
So the little, he didn't have any place else to go, so he went to 316 State Street, knocked on the door. The lady opened the door, and she smiled at him, said, son, what can I do? He said, John 316 sent me. And he was welcomed into the home. And I want to say this to you this morning. John 316 welcomes us into the home of our Savior. He said he went in there and there was a warm fire. And I'll say this this morning that John 3.16 will warm the depths of any soul, any sinner that would ever come to him. He said I was able to bathe there, had a bath. I want to say this this morning, John 3.16 will cleanse you from all filth of this light. He was given a fine dinner. He said, John 3, 16 will feed a man. And he got some new clothes and John 3, 16 will clothe you. I'm thankful for the day that I traded my old ragged garments. And he gave me a robe and a crown. He said he gave me, they gave me a bed to sleep in. He said, John 3, 16 will give you rest for your soul. Right. I suppose it's the verse we memorize first when we're little children. For God yes. so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, the tune that sings across the soul of a redeemed child of God. Psalmist said this, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. And I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I say to you this morning, O sinner, come. Come to Christ this Christmas season. We don't worship the babe in the manger. But we, and we don't even worship the Christ on the cross. We worship the risen Lord of glory. King of kings, Lord of lords. I'm so thankful. They sang it. He wrote my name above. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you're not a Christian, you ought to become one. Come to that John 3:16 house and knock on the door, and he'll open. He'll receive you. He'll take you. Doesn't make any difference if a flock or a fowl or flower. And today you don't need any of those. You just need faith. Come to Christ in faith, believing. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. I don't know about you. 
But I am grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am thankful for the salvation he brings by grace through faith to any sinner that would come to him. Would you come to him this morning, friend? This church has stood on this piece of property for decades. It's been a lighthouse in this community for those that are lost to come to Christ. Is there anyone in this building say, Brother Green, I'm a Christian. I know I'm a Christian. But I, I know of somebody here today that's lost that I care about. Would you raise your hand high as I could see it? My soul, several people. Several people. Those of you that raised your hand, would you pray? I've prayed early this morning, prayed last night. Prayed before the service. Prayed to start the service. Pray. If you're a sinner here this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I can honestly say someone's praying for you right now that you'd be saved. No born-again child of God in this room wants you to go to hell. More importantly than that, Jesus Christ died on the cross. You was buried and he rose again for your redemption to keep you out of hell. Is there anyone here this morning you know you're lost? And you'd say, sir, I'm not saved. I know I'm not, but I'd like to get it settled today. Would you raise your hand high that I could see it? Anybody in this room? Through the back, down to the front, anybody like that? I'm not a Christian. I know I'm not. But I'd like to get it settled today. Raising your hand will not save you. But it's a move in the right direction. It's an admittance. It's a confession of the fact that you know that you're lost. Hell bound. And you want help. You want that John 3.16 house. You want that place where you can get to where God will forgive you of your sins I don't know about you, if there was no heaven, no hell, just to get forgiven of my sins, it was worth coming to Jesus almost 52 years ago. Just to get that gone. Not only do you get your sins forgiven, but you get a home in heaven. And you miss hell. Miss hell by a billion miles. And make heaven your home. You see, I'd get saved if my husband would. I'd get saved if my wife would. I'd get saved if my parents would. I'm going to tell you something. Salvation's a personal thing. Amen. And you need to do it today. You know you need to do it today. 